God, I, I feel, and I know I'm not the only one, I feel a sense of anticipation inside of me. I feel... Um, Yeah, it can almost become an antsiness, but it's not antsy. It's just an expectancy of meeting with you. So would you meet with us this morning? Through song, through scripture, through connection with one another. Jesus, Christmas is about you coming to where we are. I thank you that that's the way you operate. That's what you love to do. And so we say, come now and meet us where we are in this very morning. Holy Spirit, would you give me the wisdom, the clarity, the capacity to communicate what's on your heart for all of us this morning. This mystery that transcends comprehension. Help our minds to grab a hold of what we can, but help our hearts to grab a hold of the rest. For your kingdom's sake, we pray. Amen. Last Sunday, for those of you that were here, we did our very first Coastlands baby dedication. And we had little, I think, seven-month-old Naomi Hamilton. And I had the privilege of holding her in my arms. And we prayed over her. And we spoke words of life and blessing over her. And there was such a peace to the whole experience. And... As I reflected back on it, I went back actually yesterday to put the recording of that in our message up online, and just listening back to it, I was flooded again with that same sense, and I found myself getting emotional just listening back over the recording. And I say that because that feeling of emotion that I felt yesterday, as I listened to that recording, couldn't even touch the emotion that I felt yesterday as I was praying and preparing and thinking about what I wanted to say this morning about what it means that Jesus came into our world and into our human existence. I found myself a couple of times kind of sitting there, whether it was reading scripture or just reflecting, and this emotion welling up inside of me And I found myself in tears, and then the prayer in my heart was, God, what am I feeling, and how do I communicate that to others? And I'm not going to be able to. I know I'm not going to be able to. And that's one of the reasons why we're going to have the message first and move into worship is because... We can talk about what it means, but really we need to experience what it means. For Jesus to have left His existence in heaven as it was and step into the form of a baby. 
We're going to look this morning in John chapter 1. And John chapter 1 is one of those really easy to understand passages that doesn't really have much of substance to say until you actually read it. (laughs) Um, It's one of the most dense, bewildering, perplexing passages in all of Scripture. And so to help me out in reading through it, I'm going to pull from some big guns. Now here's, here's a book I was flipping through last night. This is, this is a book called Incarnation. Now look how thick this is. This is... 4,600, no, I'm just kidding, almost 400 pages right here on the Incarnation by a guy named Thomas F. Torrance. I don't know if any of you have heard of him, but you should if you haven't. Incarnation simply meaning enfleshing. It's Latin for incarnate, meaning Jesus coming into the flesh, into our human flesh. A 400-page book on the Incarnation to help us start to unpack the reality of what we're dealing with. So hopefully, he brings us some help. So open up your eye Bibles or real Bibles or your eyes, if that's all you want to open up. And let's look together at John chapter 1. In the beginning, John says, was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Most of you that have been here for a while know that this word with in English is a very weak word. It's this Greek word pros, and it doesn't mean with to be next to, but it literally conveys face-to-face knowing and belonging. It means to be encountered and encountered by, face-to-face with. So this word was in the beginning with the Father, face-to-face. It says, all things came into being through Him. And without Him, not one thing came into being. What has come into being in Him was life. And that life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. That word overcome could also be translated comprehend, grasp, or realize it. Recognize it. Look at this verse right here. All things came into being through Him, and without Him not one thing came into being. So, I wanted to pull from a commentary to understand really the weight of why this matters. You guys ready to hear from a profound scholar, what the scholar had to say about what this means? This is what this one scholar had to say about it. Jesus glues us together so we don't come apart. 
He holds us together. And if we are bad, He holds us together with red glue. Anybody want to take a guess at who that scholar is? That was my son Joshua when he was four. That was Josh's commentary on first or on John 1. And now look at this for a minute. Jesus glues us together so we don't come apart. How many of you feel like sometimes you're just unraveling at the seams? <laughs> falling apart at the seams. Have you ever noticed that you don't? At least totally, entirely, completely? Joshua would tell you the only reason that is is because of Jesus. And there's, there's other scriptural commentary about this. Jesus wasn't, I mean, Joshua wasn't uh, off base. Take a look for a moment at Colossians 1. This is what Paul says about Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For in Him all things in heaven and on earth were created, things visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or powers. All things have been created through Him and for Him. He Himself is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. Paul must have learned that from Joshua. It could have been the other way around. Maybe they both learned it from Jesus. Let me show you this in one more place. And there's a point to all this. I know we're talking about the nativity and Christmas, but we're going somewhere with this. This is Hebrews 1. Long ago, God spoke to our ancestors in many and various ways by the prophets. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by a Son, whom He appointed heir of all things, through whom He also created the world. He is the reflection of God's glory and the exact imprint of God's very being. And He, notice this, present tense, he sustains continuously all things by His powerful Word. That is a big claim, a big statement, and a big task. To literally hold all things together moment by moment. Or in the words of Joshua, Jesus holds us together with glue. Oh, and when we're bad, He uses red glue. The thing that I've been trying to wrap my head around, it's easy to understand a baby. It's easy to understand Jesus in his human life. What's not easy for me to understand is the creator of the cosmos, the one that literally holds all things together. The one through whom the ocean, those waves last week, remember? Yikes. Those waves were unbelievable. The one who created those waves and the energy that pushes them with such force against those rocks that it terrifies and draws the sense of wonder. The one that holds all of that together stepped into a form that was smaller than little Nathan back there. And I think one of the questions we need to ask ourselves is, did Jesus seize holding all things together? when he stepped 
into this form of flesh and of a baby's body. Have you ever thought about that? Think about this for a moment. Imagine if Nathan could respond to you. And you're like, oh, Nathan, how you doing, bud? What are you up to today? And he says, oh, I'm just holding every molecule of the cosmos together, moment by moment. I'm holding you together, your family together, your heart together, the waves, the ocean, the stars, everything you can see and everything you can't see. I'm holding it together. Our minds can't comprehend that. But when we talk about incarnation, we have to understand who it is that's coming into our life, into our world. I want to bring my son Zach into the conversation because he had some profound insights as well about the nature of Jesus' birth. He said, this was when he was three, Daddy, did you know that Jesus wasn't born? And he was born? And he made his mom and dad? Zachary, I'm sorry, but I should have asked permission. I gave you credit, though, for your quote. (laughs) Think about that. Did you know that Jesus wasn't born? Is that true? Was Jesus not born? Yeah, Jesus was born. And Jesus was made by a mother. And yet Jesus made his own mother. How do we begin to comprehend these things? Or do we? Here's another one just for fun. Did you know that the earth is Jesus' baby? You see why we need their help to interpret John 1? Because John saw something that is so hard to grasp. Let's continue on with it. There was a man sent from God, speaking of John the Baptist, whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light. The true light which enlightens everyone was coming into the world. There's a line about Christmas. The true light which enlightens everyone was coming into the world. Another scholarly question to this passage. Zach, again, same conversation. Was Jesus inside everyone when he was a baby? I don't know. You guys are like, why are we talking about this? Because there's profound mysteries that Christmas raises. Profound questions. One more statement. I think I know why some people don't like Jesus. They don't know that he's in their heart. And how would John say that? John 1, 10 through 13. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him. You see how John wants us to continually see this? We're not just talking about a baby. We're talking about the creator of everything we see. Yet the world did not know him. And this is the kind of no, like, 
Adam knew Eve, kind of know. The world did not know him relationally, did not relate to him. He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God, who were born not of blood or of the will of the flesh, or of the will of man, but of God. And last portion of John we're going to look at. John 1, 14-18. And the Word became flesh and lived among us. Will you do this with me for a moment? Will you really just kind of pause and and absorb these words into your heart. And the Word who was face to face with the Father became flesh. And lived among us. Another word for lived, the word in the Greek actually means tabernacled. Dwelt. Does that make you think of anything? The Word becoming flesh and tabernacling among us? In the Old Testament, where was the presence of God found? Where was it experienced? In the tabernacle first, right? Which contained the Holy of Holies, which was this golden, I guess, box that was decorated with seraphim. And literally, you had to know how to handle radioactive material to be able to touch it. Remember? this one guy, Uzzah, who's not trained in the ways of handling the radioactive material. They have this Ark of the Covenant on this cart, and they're carting it along. And the oxen stumble, and the Ark of the Covenant starts to fall, and Uzzah, who reaches out, he, just, he doesn't know what he's doing. He's not a priest. He's not a Levite. He reaches out to steady it. He just touches the thing, and what happens? He drops dead. If you were to somehow get in to, I guess, the reactors of like a nuclear power plant and start to play with the pieces inside of there, if you don't know what you're doing, what might happen to you? <laughs> you won't live to tell about it. And that was the presence of God in the tabernacle. And then the presence of God moved to the temple. But it was always confined. It was always stuck. It was always, I guess, contained. That's the word. Thank you for whoever threw that out there. <laughs> yes, it was always contained. And now John is telling us this word became flesh and tabernacled among us. Oh, you want to know the Greek word for among, by the way? It's a really complicated one. You ready? Get out a pencil. You're going to need to write this down. It starts with an E. And ends with an in. E-N. In. From which we get our English word. Anybody want to guess? Come on now. In. The word became flesh and tabernacled. And John says in the Greek, in us. 
Did Jesus live inside of everybody when he was a baby? Zachary asked. John says, did Jesus let go of his hold of the cosmos when he took on human form? No. John 14, 20. Jesus tells his disciples the whole purpose, the whole thing he wants to open up for all of us. And what does he say? In that day you will know that I am in my Father. You are in me. And I am in you. That's a lot of inness, isn't it? What does that mean? It means there is no separation, there is no distance, there is no divide, there is no alienation. It is intimacy and belonging and inclusion. We have seen His glory. Glory as of a Father's only Son, full of grace and truth. Isn't that what dwelt in the temple in the tabernacle? The glory of God? And now John is saying, we have seen the glory of God. Whereas before, only the priests could go into the Holy of Holies and see the glory of God. From His fullness we have received grace upon grace. What does grace upon grace mean? (laughs) More grace than you can quantify. Grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. Think about this for a minute. From His fullness we have all received. It's easy for us to talk about why Jesus died, isn't it? How many of you are familiar with the reality that Jesus died for us? How familiar are we with the reality that Jesus also lived for us? And what does that mean, that Jesus lived for us? It means that Jesus came. Now here's where I'm trying to go with all this. Now think about this for a minute. If Jesus holds all things together, moment by moment, and all things are created in Him and through Him and for Him, does that include you? Daddy. I know, bud. I don't have any good quotes from you yet because you only have seven words. If Jesus holds all things together, are you included in that? Does that mean you? Does Jesus hold you together? Were you created in Him, through Him, for Him, and by Him? And if Jesus steps into a human body, into a human life, I need to pause for a minute. Because this is where my brain starts to scramble. There are all these theological terms for what I'm trying to talk about. Some people call it the vicarious humanity of Christ. People call it substitutionary life. We know about substitutionary atonement, meaning Jesus died for us. But we don't know what it means that Jesus lived for us. Jesus stepping into a human body means 
that he has brought the fullness of humanity and he is trading his humanity for ours. He is saying, I am bringing the fullness of the human experience. That is what John says when he says, from his fullness we have all received. Give me a moment to... Uh, I don't know if I could find it here. I wanted to read a quote to you from a guy named John Calvin. But I'll paraphrase it. And basically he says that everything Jesus brought has been given to us. I'll find it and I'll email it later because it'll mess with all of this. But... Do you ever wish your brain was a lot bigger? I know you're wishing right now that my brain was a lot bigger. You see why I'm having to pull from statements of my three-year-old to try to make sense of this? Because my brain is saying, how do I convey the reality? that by Jesus stepping into human flesh, He has brought a new humanity and that He has brought us into that new humanity. I don't know how to describe that. Jesus said, I come that you may have life and have it to the full, right? Have it more abundantly. Do you know what life He was talking about? His life. He's saying, I have come to take your broken, blind, shameful, fragmented human existence, I have come to trade it out, to swap it out, to give you mine instead. That's why He stepped into human flesh. And what John is describing here is some people just really want to hold on to their old way of being human. Can I tell you what happened to me yesterday? This was, I think, the best way I could try to describe what the Incarnation means to me. At our office now, we have a fireplace. It's nice and cozy in there. You should come check it out during the sandbox. And I was going to say the date, but I'm going to say the date wrong, like I did last week about the ski trip. But, so anyways, you should come check out our fireplace in the office. It's getting nice and cozy. And I'm sitting by the fireplace yesterday, studying, reading, thinking, praying. And we had rain, what, most of the morning? Um, up to the afternoon, actually, right? It was dark, it was overcast, it was kind of gloomy, rainy out. I enjoyed the rain, but I'm sitting in our office, which has an ocean view and a view of the rock. It was so overcast out that I wasn't even looking outside. My back is to the ocean, and I'm sitting about this far away from the fireplace, just trying to absorb the heat. And all of a sudden, Something happened in the room that literally my head went and it startled me. And it wasn't a big deal. It was something that happens all the time. But what had happened was the sun had finally come out from behind a cloud. And the light from the sun burst through the shades, through the cracks in the window with such a force that it literally startled me and it made me turn to the side to see what had happened. And within 20 seconds, I'm getting up 
I'm turning off the fireplace, and I find myself sitting on the couch with the shade open, with the sun just bursting in on my body. And I wouldn't have traded that experience for anything. Did I see the sun coming out? No. Did it come into my awareness with such a force that it literally shocked me out of what I was doing into a new place? I've never had that happen before. But it literally came with such force that it, it was almost like it moved me up from my seat over to the couch. And then I started thinking, that's what Christmas is about. Christmas is about the world, a weary world, like our songs talk about. A weary world with rain and gloom and darkness and there's lack of clarity. And yes, the presence of God is there, but it's contained. It's in the temple. It's, it's like the fireplace was the temple, the presence of God. And all of a sudden, through Jesus and the incarnation, through Jesus stepping into human life, light bursts forth in the world and nothing will ever be the same. And all I could do was bring myself to absorb as much of that light as I could and just sit there and just be embraced by the warmth of it. I didn't need the fireplace anymore because the light was permeating everything in the room. And isn't that what John's describing? The light shines in the darkness and the darkness does not comprehend it. But for those who did receive it, they understood grace, they understood truth, they understood fullness of life. Do you see why my brain and my heart start scrambling? Because all we have is pictures, and even those pictures don't really do justice to the reality of the one who's face to face with the Father, stepping into the form of a baby and bringing his light and love and life into every corner of human existence. It's so funny how I just, I don't get this. We understand, or at least we think we do, the death of Jesus, right? We understand that Jesus died for us so that we could be forgiven. And we often believe that Jesus came to live just so that he could die. But do we understand the crazy reality that when Jesus stepped into that human form, that literally everything changed? Have you ever thought about the fact that Jesus is walking through town one day and someone comes to him for healing? And... He doesn't say, be healed. You know the first thing he says? Take heart. Your sins are forgiven. What? Jesus is telling somebody that their sins are forgiven before he died on the cross? Why is he doing that? Who does he think he is? Doesn't he know about the importance of the crucifixion? I think Jesus is saying there's a new reality here. Now think about this. Now, how many of you like to fish? I know Mark goes fishing. Anybody else? Fisherman? Brandon, Al. Yeah. Anybody else ever build things? How many of you like to work with your hands? Build things with your hands. Yeah. How many of you like to shop? Anybody ever gone shopping? Think about this for a minute. 
God, God's self in the form of Jesus, knows what it's like to go fishing, knows what it's like to build a table, knows what it's like to go shopping. You know one of the things that the Incarnation means? Christmas means that there is no such thing any longer as spiritual activity as opposed to secular activity. There is no such thing, there is no part of our existence that has not been touched, consecrated, and brought into the life of God. Because God has been involved in every facet of our humanity, every piece of our human existence. The light has birthed in and it's touched everything. And nothing will ever be the same. know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know Him who is true. And we are in Him who is true. In His Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. This is what we're going to do. Hmm. By the way, can I just make one comment before we move into worship? Have you ever thought about how hard we try to get God out of our human activities? If you were to think of, if we were to make two lists, one list of spiritual activities and one list of non-spiritual activities, which list would be longer? What would be some examples in our mind of spiritual activities? Praying, reading your Bible, worship, what else? Anybody from the back still awake? Loving others. Loving others. What else? Spiritual activities. Giving. Feeding the poor. Giving. What about non-spiritual activities? Shopping. Football. How many of you guys are thinking of for an opportunity to like take a pot shot at your significant other or something right here? Thinking about the credit card bill, you're like, shopping. <laughs> Thinking about missing your husband for three hours, football. <laughs> what are some other non-spiritual activities? Showering. Showering. <laughs> Working. Schoolwork. Isn't it interesting? that God became human and spent more time building tables 
than praying for people or preaching sermons? That God became human and spent more time fishing and hanging out with fishermen than hanging out with rabbis and priests and pastors? Isn't it funny how God went to such a great extent to enter into every aspect of our human existence and yet we spend so much energy trying to get God out? And so my prayer, my hope, is that that light that burst through the window on me, that changed everything, it changed the way I saw everything, it changed what I experienced, I experienced a warmth that I didn't experience. All of a sudden everything in the office took on a new clarity because that light was bursting in there. All of a sudden the view of the rock and the ocean became available again because that light burst on the scene. And I had to pull the shade up to let more of that light in. But I guess my question for you is, what are those areas in your life, your relationships, your family, your situation, your heart, that you need to see that that light is bursting through? Maybe the shade needs to be pulled up. Maybe Jesus is saying, look it, this light is shining in the darkness. Will we be the ones that comprehend it? Will you stand with me? If you're able to stand, let's do this. Feel free to make yourself comfortable around the room. We're going to do a little bit of toying with, with the projection here. Um, you guys back there want to close out keynote? Before we start singing, so Brett and Taylor and Bree and Eric are going to make their way up here, but um, let's just take a minute to pause together and reflect and let the Holy Spirit speak to us. Jesus, I have never been more aware that I am in this moment of the inadequacy of words. I was trying to think of a good cell phone ringing joke right now. Jesus, thank you that you're calling to us. I said good one. I'm sorry, that wasn't good. Um, Jesus, our words are so inadequate. And our experience often lacks the light that you came to bring, that abundance, that fullness of life that you said you came to give. But I thank you that as J.B. Tornswood said, the Christ of our experience is more important than our experience of Christ. Thank you that these things are true no matter what extent we feel them in this exact moment. 
that these things are the truest truth and that you came to bring light and truth and grace. And so Holy Spirit, would you make the reality of Christmas real to us in our hearts in this moment? The areas of our lives that we feel like are far from you, aren't touched by you, aren't contained in you? Would you show us that your presence is here in a powerful way? Because my words have nothing to offer, but my heart is exploding with the reality and the hope and the delight and the joy that you have come to give us who you are. You became a son of man so that we might become sons and daughters of God. Help us to know what that means and why that matters. So we're going to go into a time of worship, and I want to invite you, like I said, feel free to move around the room. Um, If you have, sometimes when we're worshiping, you might just notice somebody in the room, like they're just kind of highlighted in your mind, your awareness. It might be because God has something to say to them and be inviting you to participate in that. So feel free to pray for one another, um, to encourage one another. Feel free to stand, to sit, to kneel dance, to jump, to clap, to drink coffee. But let's just celebrate the reality that there is no distance, no separation. That Jesus says, you are in me and I am in you. Does anything else really matter?